dear listener, my name is Rose Goldthorpe. I am the writer and producer of this audio drama. I wish to welcome you to the first season of our Wessex dramas called Desperate Remedies. We will be adapting the whole series of Thomas Hardy novels to audio drama format, kicking it off with his novels of ingenuity. This season will be an adaptation of the book Desperate Remedies. It is a Victorian romantic gothic thriller. We hope you have your lace handkerchiefs and fainting couches at the ready. We hope you like it. Owen, where have you been? You nearly missed the boat. Cytherea gains the deck and turns round to the man. It is not Owen. How do we do, Mr Springrove? How do you do, Captain? Springrove turns to Cytherea and tips his hat. He is a handsome man, taller than Owen, with thick blonde hair and a good-humoured face. His black tie is askew. I hope I have the pleasure of addressing Miss Grey. I'm Springrove, Owen's friend. Is he all right? Oh, yes. Yes, just a little lame from overwalking himself. He's dropped down to Galworth Station, which is much nearer to him, and will catch the train home. Oh. The music strikes up again as the boat pulls away. Owen sent me to keep you company and escort you home. I... I do hope that you don't think me too forward. No, no, of course not. It's very kind of you. Cytherea smiles shyly. People start dancing on the front deck in the prow, and Cytherea and Springrove stroll up and down the side deck, talking as the sun sets and the boat pulls out into the harbour. The evening is very beautiful. As Cytherea descends the gangplank, Springrove taking her hand for the last portion, he addresses her. I'll walk to the station and find out what time Owen's train arrives. Oh, thank you, Mr Springrove. Perhaps we might walk together? He gestures the way. Yes, of course. They walk off together. exit the station and stand outside. I'm so sorry, I messed up the trains. Oh, don't worry. He'll stay overnight and catch the morning train, I imagine. Will you be lonely without him? Can I walk you back to your lodgings? Oh, no. Really, we're just around the corner. We have a landlady. Thank you. Perhaps you'd let me see you sometimes? I'd hate to think that you'd forget me. Well... I'm afraid that I'm, I'm going away, so I don't think... Uh, but, anyway, thanks again, Mr Springrove. Um, good evening. She smiles, nods, turns, and walks rapidly away. Don't forget me, hmm? He turns and softly follows her to ensure her safety. Springrove follows Cytherea back and stands under a doorway, seeing her enter the house, and then turn on a light in an upper window. He turns away. One hope is too like despair for prudence to smother. <laughs> and I don't think I have a hope, though prudence wouldn't indeed bother smothering it. He walks off. Cytherea is seated at the table at the window, finishing her breakfast. Owen suddenly enters the room. He comes over to her and kisses her on the head as she rises to greet him. No, don't get up, Cythie. I've had my breakfast. Sorry I couldn't meet you. Was Springgrove any help? Nice fellow. Oh, yes. Thanks for sending him, but why were you lame? I don't know. Nothing. 
gone now, anyway. So where did you stay? I persuaded the keeper of the gatehouse at the railway crossing to take me in. Owen yawns. <sighs> you didn't get much sleep at the gatehouse last night, I'll bet. To tell you the truth, I didn't. I was sleeping on the floor of the chap's bedroom, where he made me a rough pallet. He kept muttering a name in his sleep all night. You'll never guess whose name it was. Who? It was Cytheria. Me? My name? Hmm. Look, it's a lovely Sunday morning. Put your coat on and we'll go for a walk on the sands, huh? Cytheria and Owen are walking along, arm in arm. So did you get the story out of him? In the end, yes. He used to have a pub, and one day, a year or so ago, he overheard a conversation between two women. A servant girl and an older wealthy woman who introduced herself as Jane Taylor. Where? He just said, hereabouts. But when the girl said that a certain man had died, the woman fainted. Was the servant called Cytheria then? No. The innkeeper rushed in to help the older woman and, suspecting she had lied about her name, used the occasion to ask her again. What, while she was coming around? Yes, and she murmured Cytheria. Hardly a name you could forget. Hmm. What happened then? Well, when she came around fully, she gave the man a load of money not to say anything about her, or her name, to anyone else. She and the girl then left. That's strange, isn't it? They have arrived near the water's edge, and Owen bends down and starts taking off his shoes. Mm. Come on, let's have a paddle. Cytheria smiles, bends down, and starts to remove her shoes. Cytheria is sitting at the table taking off her gloves, and Owen is sitting near the fireplace. Don't you recognise anything else in connection with the story? What? Do you remember what poor papa once let drop? That Cytheria was the name of his first sweetheart in Bloomsbury. I'll bet that was the same woman. Well... If papa had been alive, what a wonderful, absorbing story this would be for him. Well, we'll never know anything about it now, whether she was the one or not. Any response to your advert yet? No, I am afraid not. But perhaps I could change my advert, if you make the tea. Owen smiles, gets up and goes over to stoke up the fire, then to get out the teapot and fire kettle. Cytheria gets out her writing paper from the nearby desk, sits back at the table and writes. <clears throat> Nursery governess or useful companion. A young person wishes to hear of a situation in either of the above capacities. Salary very moderate. She is a good needlewoman. Address, C, 3 Cross Street, Creston. Cytheria sits back and sighs. <sighs> Do you want to come out with me this evening and post it? Yes, I'll need another walk. I get cabin fever cooped up here in this tiny lodging. Cytheria smiles and gets up. Right. Lunch. Cytheria and Owen are walking along, chatting, when they see Springrove coming towards them. He smiles, tips his hat and says, how do you do? They respond similarly. Springrove walks on. A few steps later they are arrested by Springrove's reappearance and look a little surprised. I don't know if you two are interested, but there's decent boat hire here. And I... I was wondering if you'd both be interested in a pull across the bay. Cytheria looks up with a pleasant surprise at Owen. Oh yes, Owen, let's. That sounds a laugh, Springrove. We're in.
party walk along the pier, descend and step into one of the gaily painted rowing boats for hire. Springrove jumps in first and then gives his hand to Cytheria. He seats her in the stern and puts the tiller ropes in her hand, smiling into her eyes. Cytheria blushes, smiles and looks away. Owen gets in and the owner unfastens the painter. They shear off and row away into a beautiful golden evening with a soft breeze. Cytheria is steering. The three are approaching the boats again and Owen points at the kayaks. He wants to go in a kayak. They agree that Springrove will take Cytheria in a rowing boat and follow Owen, which they do. Springrove gazes with fondness at Cytheria, who is full of smiles and blushes as they pull away after Owen. Greys are just finishing breakfast. Owen hastily wipes his mouth on his napkin, arises, gets his coat and starts putting it on. Cytheria is still in her dressing gown. I'll be gone all day with a surveying job and I won't be back till very late. You'll be all right, won't you? Cytheria smiles. Oh, of course, silly. I won't be able to say goodbye to Springrove. He's off to his father at the end of the day, before going on to London later. Well, we sort of mentioned it yesterday, out rowing. Owen fetches his hat and umbrella. Yes, I suppose so. He kisses her on the top of her head. Have a good day, little sis. She looks up and blows him a kiss. Owen goes out. The day goes slowly and Cytheria clears the pots, washes and dresses, sweeps the floor, makes and eats her lunch, washes some smalls and then sits by the window, sewing a sock of Owen's desultorily. Cytheria looks up. It is half past five. Shortly after, Springrove walks past, slowly, but does not look up. Cytheria cranes after sight of him down the street. Then she suddenly runs, gets her coat and hat, and dives down the stairs. Cytheria is hurrying, half-running, to catch up with Springrove, while holding onto her hat. Oh. Suddenly she bumps into someone and looks up to discover that it is actually Springrove who has turned around and is heading back towards her lodgings. Cytheria smiles, blushes and then looks down in embarrassment. Miss Grey. He puts out his hand and she slowly takes it in a shake. I... I wonder, should you like... I mean, would you be interested in... a row? Cytheria smiles again and looks a little perplexedly sideways and down. Come, we'll go see what condition the sea is in. He offers her his arm and she shyly takes it. They arrive at the sea, which is calm and beautiful. Springrove takes her hand and gazes into her eyes. Cytheria nods minutely and looks down. Springrove pays and helps her into a boat. Springrove gives Cytheria the tiller ropes and settles himself opposite to her. He pulls away, gazing at her. Edward Springrove rows them out towards the nearly opposite bay of Laystead Shore. He gazes mutely at Cytheria, and she looks back and then shyly looks away. She looks at him when she thinks him not looking, and then gets caught. They chat a little as they row towards the cliffs near Laystead Shore. They fall silent and slow down as they approach the still water of the cliff near Laystead. The water, though twenty feet deep, is a beautiful transparent blue, with just a few weeds and rocks on the bottom. Springrove ships the oars and moves to sit next to Cytheria. He takes her hand and puts his other hand behind her head and turns her face towards his face. May I? I... I... we... He kisses her lightly and then more passionately. 
They sit a while and nuzzle tenderly. I love you, Cytheria. I love you and will tell your brother of my love for you, that he will know that I will be working to be worthy of you while I am away in London. Cytheria smiles and nods her head. Edward pauses and then looks a little pained. There may just be a little impediment, but no. That's a strong word. It probably doesn't even exist. An impediment, Edward? Can't you tell me now? Not now, but don't alarm yourself, my love. I'll meet Owen at the station and explain everything. Oh, all right. Edward reseats himself and restarts to row. Cytheria anxiously chews her lower lip. They row back in the deepening twilight, and Cytheria is apprehensive about his words. Edward walks Cytheria back to her lodgings, holding her hand all the way. When they arrive there, he bends and kisses her, and then strokes her cheek and gazes into her eyes. She lets herself into the house. He turns and walks off to meet Owen. Cytheria stands in the porch in an agony of apprehension. She then turns back and follows Springrove down to the promenade. She stands a little way off, watching him from behind a lamppost as he sits on a bench waiting for Owen to walk past from the station. When he gets up and starts to pace, however, she quickly returns to her lodgings for fear of being seen. Owen steals quietly into Cytheria's bedroom. Cytheria is asleep on the bed, dressed, and there is a candle burning. Owen bends over her and kisses her on the cheek. Cytheria jumps awake and sits up, suddenly, exclaiming half asleep, He's gone! Not yet. Early tomorrow. He's told me all. You should have told me, Cythie. Cytheria scrambles off the bed and stands next to him. We couldn't help it. Owen, has he told you all? All your love, from beginning to end. But not, not... What? Cytheria pulls herself up. No, nothing. It's no good worrying about things in the future. It's things in the present that count. She smiles. I'm going to advertise again. Owen takes off his coat. Oh, that's no use, Cythie. She hands him a short advert she has written, which is on her bedside table. This one will be. Owen reads. A lady's maid? Oh no, Cythie. Such a disgrace. Our father was an architect and you've been well educated. But left bereft of income, Owen. Don't worry. We need to make our livings and we have to start somewhere. But it's so... Cytheria takes off her jacket. I'm determined. So that's that. You had your dinner? Yes, don't worry. She sits on the side of the bed and starts removing her shoes. Good. Then off to bed with you. I'm dropping back off to sleep myself. Owen smiles. Good night, Sithy. Night, Owen. He goes out. Cytheria is shown into a small empty room on the first floor. She sits herself on the stand chair against the wall. The self-important waiting girl turns to go. The landlady says that I'm to show Miss Aldcliffe into the next room. She'll call you when she's ready. The girl looks deprecatingly at Cytheria's plain clothes and then goes out. Cytheria waits a while and then hears female boots and shoes come along the corridor. Cytheria hears the girl's footsteps recede and then hears Miss Aldcliffe walking up and down a few times. Cytheria waits expectantly. 
Miss Aldcliffe sits at a table where there is another stand chair nearby. She is tall, slim and dark. Miss Aldcliffe is around mid-forties, but still very handsome. She wears a brown silk gown and lace shawl, with a bonnet decorated with a few small cornflowers. She calls through to Cytheria. You can come in now, girls. Cytheria opens the interconnecting door and steps through quietly. Cytheria smiles and nods at Miss Aldcliffe. Miss Aldcliffe does not smile back. My housekeeper pointed out your advert to me, Miss Grey. Where did you live last? She does not invite Cytheria to sit, so Cytheria remains standing at a little distance. I lived at home. I have never been a servant. Then why did you advertise with such assurance? It misleads people. My brother told me to remove the word inexperienced. Madam... Your mother or father knew what was right, I suppose. I have no family but my brother, madam. Hmm. You deserve forgiveness for that at any rate, child. Miss Aldcliffe studies Cytheria's face. Are you a good needlewoman? I am considered to be. Miss Aldcliffe stands up. Then I shall write to your referee. It would be as well to set yourself in readiness to come on Monday. I shall send a note with the details... Good day. She nods and sweeps out, leaving Cytheria alone in the room, pondering. Cytheria, dressed plainly in black with a couple of cases, comes out of the station and stands looking around. There is a man and pony carriage at a little distance. This liveried servant is drinking from a hip flask, and when he sees her, he gets down and picks up her cases and puts them into the carriage. He is a little inebriated. You, Miss Grey? Yes. Hello, then. Uh, <laughs> up you get. He helps her into the chaise and drives off. Cytheria gets a letter out from her inner jacket pocket. She reads it. Your Edward thinks of you every day and every night, my love. My getting on in my profession is all for you. I think I see the way to solving that slight impediment I mentioned. And hope to have news about it soon. We that a love letter, I miss. Cytheria hastily puts the letter away. Oh, nothing. She looks up to see a ruined grey Elizabethan house between the trees on the left. Is that the house? Uh, oh no, that be the old manor house. Does anyone live in it? Oh no, not now. Those noises will drive anyone wild. Uh, now listen. He stops the horse and they hear the sound of a rushing waterfall in the trees above. The coachman drives on. The other noise which you can hear is the old water pump which Mr. Oldcliffe installed when he first married. It don't half creak and all. They now hear the creak, south creak of the old pump. It certainly sounds dismal. They should have the wheel greased. Aye. Uh, the mast is too old to take an interest, you see. Oh, ma'am, he's dying and then the mistress will take over and the whole house, the whole house will be turned inside out. You mean she will marry? Not she. Too difficult. How difficult? You'll soon know, you'll know soon enough, miss. She has had seven ladies' maids this twelve months. She screams at them, 
and then they leave the next day. Tis hoped you're pleasing dressing her tonight. Why tonight? Tis her father's birthday and she has 17 guests for dinner. He points to the neoclassical house ahead. See, miss, uh, that's Knapwater House over there ahead. Cytherea looks up at the house, sitting on terraces behind a lake. The track goes around the side of this large house with its lawns and lake to the side buildings and into a courtyard. The carriage pulls up at a side door and the coachman helps Cytherea down and unloads her cases. There is a small elderly woman at the door who smiles. Good day, I'm Mrs Morris. Mrs Gray, I believe? Oh, but I'm not married. Oh, sorry, of course. Hello, Mrs Morris. was an episode of Desperate Remedies. We would like to thank our editor, David Harris, and our composer, James Cox. We would also like to thank our amazing cast. Matthew Ledbury, Hayley McCready, Claire Williams, Thomas Purchase Rathbone, Glenn Hanna, Catherine McColgan, Bernadette Davis, Caroline Joy, Jenny Bowden, Andy Luke, Steve Dean, Alex Lushington, Simon James, Mark Aldrich, Thomas Rolfe. And thank you to you, our dear listener. See you again next time. <laughs>